Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. And I'm Stacey Pollack. And today we're talking about the truth about job hopping in your career with our very special guest, Chelsea Jay. Chelsea is a nationally certified resume writer, online branding expert, and podcast host of Chelsea's Career Corner. She also holds certifications in career and life coaching. She's known throughout the career development industry for her bold, unapologetic, and straight shooter methods when it comes to tackling the job search as a non-linear professional. She helps talented go-getters build professional brands and climb the ladder quickly and with less stress. She helps mid-career and executive professionals across the globe rebuild their confidence, improve their mindsets, develop and execute on goals, and more importantly, build a career with purpose. She's joining us from Lansing in Michigan. Chelsea, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thank you both so much. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Likewise, yes. Is there anything else that you would like our dear listener to know in regard to kind of how you've arrived at this point in your career? Oh, wow. That is a long story. <laughs> but I will try to sum it up by simply saying the reason I'm so passionate about advocating for job hoppers and really helping them develop careers that they love is because I was one myself. I have been all around almost every industry uh, doing the majority of things uh, throughout my career. So I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to feel like you're in limbo or this isn't a good fit or, oh no, am I ever gonna figure out what it is I wanna do? So I've been there. So I wanna take everything that I've learned and help everyone else. I love that. Let's jump into this. Stacy. take this away. You have a really interesting thought right off the top here. Let's dig into it. Yeah, well, when I was doing my research for this podcast, Cast, uh, you know, browsing through your social profiles and all your media, and I noticed you had such a strong brand. So I guess I wanted to hear a little bit about, I guess, how you built that brand and what your vision was and how you brought that to reality. Oh, good question. So I'm going to be fully transparent here, <laughs> as you guys know that I am. And when it comes to my digital brand, it wasn't always as strong as it is today. Whenever I first got in the industry, I was so focused on like playing it safe and making sure that everyone was comfortable. And I had a few people within the industry that I really admired as well. And what they were doing was working. So I was like, okay, I want to try talking about the topics that they care about. And I finally got to the point where one day I was sitting down typing a status and I was like, I really don't care about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I love writing resumes. Resumes are a piece of the puzzle, an important piece of the puzzle, but they're just that. They're a piece. The job search comes with so much more. I mean, it's your mindset. It's your job search techniques. It's your interviewing skills. It's getting to a job and realizing it's not a good fit. And you're like, oh no, where did I go wrong? And I started to sit down and really reflect on my own career and the emotions that I felt and the struggles that I went through. And I'm like, this is what I really care about. I really want to help others and empower everyone else to get through the situations that they're going through. And I finally decided, I was like, you know what? I'm 100% Chelsea J in real life. I'm going to be 100% Chelsea J online 
and either people will love it or hate it. Either way, I'll be true to myself. So I just started putting myself out there, being fully transparent, talking how I normally talk, like I'm talking right now to you guys or sitting down with a friend. You notice that in a lot of my posts and blogs. <laughs> um, and once I started doing that, people started kind of gravitating. And I get messages every day that say, Chelsea, like you're saying what I'm scared to say or what other people won't talk about. And I realized that I have a voice, I'm here to use it. And it's just worked out well. I love that. So it sounds like being authentic has really served you. Definitely. It's pretty cool. I think we're going to build off of what you've just shared there in this topic, really being true to yourself, being true uh, as you show up in the world. Job hopping, when we think about it, a lot of people kind of find it a bit of a tough, contentious issue. They're kind of like a little bit scared. What is job hopping in your point of view? Yes. So job hopping, uh, it's different based on who you talk to. And for some people, they'll say, hey, job hopping is you only staying somewhere for three to six months and then you leave. Or some people even call job hopping staying somewhere for three to five years and leave. For me, I tell people job hop until you find the position that's the right fit for you, the right pay, the right atmosphere, the right boss. So I don't care what that time frame is. You bounce until you find what you need because life is short and you're the one who has to get up every morning, clock in and do the work. So my version of job hopping is getting somewhere, accepting an offer, realizing pretty quickly that this is not the right decision for you and you saying, peace out, I got to move on and move on to something better. That is awesome. And honestly, such a positive take on job hopping. Let's build on that. So we've seen job hopping kind of become more of a thing over the last 20 years. When you kind of think back to the way things were in the 20th century, people often got into one place, one career, one company, stayed there for decades, call it a day once upon a time and retired. And a lot has changed. Why do you think that's the case? I mean, that's it right there. What you just said, mindsets were different back in the day, even talking to my parents and having these conversations, we kind of have disagreements. Um, and for example, like my dad is extremely old school. Like he grew up in the generation where you go to school, you get your trade or you specialize in whatever it is then you go to a job and you, you know, commit yourself there for 30 years. But in return, that job offered you a pension. They offered you great benefits. They offered you great pay. And that's not the case anymore. I know I don't have a pension and the majority of people I know don't have a pension. We are all contributing to our 401ks. So that's something you can take with you. So what's keeping you at a certain job anymore? Mm. Like there's no pull. Even with the benefits, I remember even at my dad's job back in the day, they used to offer tuition reimbursement for the actual employee and their children. But how many employers do you know do that nowadays? So if you're not doing that for me, I have no loyalty to you. Like I need to move on and make sure I'm going somewhere that I get all the benefits and the pay that I want. And also, not to mention, a lot of positions nowadays start off lower in pay. And if you're not careful, you can be stuck at that same pay rate five or 10 years later. So mm -hmm. why not move on to triple your salary quicker? Yeah, yeah. I, 
can definitely <laughs> understand that, uh, that sentiment. And I guess to piggyback on that question, what are some of the pitfalls of not job hopping? So there's a lot, right? So of course you stay at the same salary, which that's not the goal in your career to stay at the same thing, especially, and I dealt with this a lot. Whenever I would move to a different organization, I would get paid a higher salary. And then the people who would be there or who have been there for about 10, 20 years, they would get upset with me because I was making more. And that would cause a little bit of animosity and they wouldn't want to help me or talk to me on the job. And I'm like, hey, this isn't my fault. You know what I mean? I did what I needed to do for my career. So there's that staying at the same salary, also being seen as stagnant, right? So once you master a job, there's only so much that you can do. And people start to think, oh, like you've just been doing this. Have you really expanded your skills? Are you not ambitious? Are you just content? And then you kind of get that stereotype of, okay, I don't think they're up to date with the times or new technology or things that are going on. And I also think that you kind of have the same view on everything. I think when you job hop, it really expands your horizons, helps you learn new things, see the world from a different angle, instead of being so laser focused on this is how it is, this is how we've always done it. And that doesn't serve you well in life, period. No, it does not. So those are a few things. <laughs> Love that. With the people that you've worked with, what do you see as some of the most common reasons for people leaving a role and hopping to something new? It's usually management because management plays a big role in how you feel about yourself, how you carry out your job every day. So usually when I get clients on the phone, the first thing they say to me is, my boss isn't a good fit. I hate my boss. My boss is a micromanager or they harass me every day or they, I feel like they belittle me or they're not letting me grow in my career. And that's true. Like a bad boss can stop everything for you and it can make it so hard for you to get up in the morning and actually want to take that drive into work and clock in and even just do the work. But that's usually number one. And then number two is the pay. A lot of people feel overworked and underpaid. And who wants to do three jobs for not making that much money when they know they could go somewhere else and get a much better paycheck with even less work? Yeah, it makes, that makes absolute perfect sense, Chelsea. I don't see why people would ever say no to that idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're, you hit on that uh, point around a boss being so influential, right? And sometimes a really great boss can sometimes make it almost too comfortable for someone and make it make that person almost adverse to leaving. And so you, I can see what you're saying that the opposite, right? A really tough boss, someone who just doesn't make you feel seen and appreciated can be a really, really strong factor in all of this. It makes total sense. Definitely. And like you said, on the opposite end, you can have a boss that won't let you go and doesn't want to let you go. And I've actually had that. I've actually had a boss cry and beg me to stay. And I'm like, hey, you know, this is a better opportunity for me. And it's going to take my career to another level. And they immediately said, but what am I going to do? <laughs> like, you've already built your career. Let me build mine. So, I mean, you can also have 
that that you have to deal with too. And that's where you have to, you know, stand strong in what you believe in and be able to see your end goal as well and not let anybody manipulate you or make you feel bad about decisions that you need to make for your career to move forward. Love that. Cool. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot about, you know, like mindsets that people have around job hopping. You know, maybe your managers will make you feel like it's not a good thing to do, or maybe your colleagues will, again, give you a hard time. Um, So how do you help people overcome these negative mindsets that they have when it comes to job hopping? Are there any like mantras or phrases that you use to help your clients kind of push past it? Oh, you know what? I wish I had some of those fancy mantras. <laughs> when my clients meet with me, and you guys know this, I'm extremely blunt online. I'm a straight shooter. Like we're going to have a real conversation. I'm not going to dance around this for you. So the first thing that I want to do with all of my clients is put things into perspective when it comes to stereotypes and the way other people feel. So first of all, no matter what you do or who you are, you have a stereotype associated with you. And if you don't, somebody's going to make up one about you. So in the workforce, either you're too young or you're too old or you don't have enough experience or you're overqualified or you're a job hopper. So no matter what, you are always going to have a stereotype. So your mindset needs to be This is my brand. This is what I'm good at. This is what I can do for you. And this is why you'd be lucky to have me. And of course, it needs to be mutually beneficial, but you need to go in with that mindset of, hey, I'm going to be a positive asset to your place. So that's what I really try to work on. And a lot of that is positive self-talk. It's having my clients sit down and talk about their Sona genius and talk about what makes them special and unique and what makes them stand out. And once they actually see things on paper, their mindset shifts immediately because nowadays, how many, how many of us write things down? Like, I know I can say I write things mm-hmm. down all the time, but I'm a writer. You know what I mean? But the majority of people, all of this stuff is just in their head. And then you have that, you know, that side that nags and says, no, 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 you're wrong. No write everything down so that you can visually see it every single day and remind yourself how amazing you are. And just by doing that, it makes all the difference. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. And I have done that practice myself as well. And I'm curious from your perspective, do people typically struggle with this or have a hard time at first when it comes to actually writing about themselves? It does. Whenever people come to me, the first thing I say is tell me about yourself because I want to see what your answer is. And the majority of people either pause, Mm -hmm. which is what I normally get, or they say, well, what do you want to know? Do you want to know about my family or what I like to do? And I'm like, just tell me about yourself. Like, what do you love about yourself? And then people are like, oh, I need to, I actually need to think about that more. And I say, okay, well, the next time that we talk, you need to be able to answer and tell me, what do you love about yourself? What do you enjoy doing? What are you amazing at? And after that, we can put together a really strong branding statement once you have that together. I love that. That's great, great advice. So when it comes to, I guess, the clients that you are working with, I'm curious to hear a little bit about, like maybe what's the most non-traditional job hop that you've ever seen someone make? Okay, so this is my favorite question, because 
the most non-traditional job hop I've seen was actually my first client. When I first started seasoning growing and I put myself out there, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to take people on. The first person that came to me was a truck driver and he wanted to be a social worker. And I was like, you're going to throw this curveball at me? Like I just started my business, <laughs> but you know what? The ultimate challenge. I'm up for a challenge. And I told him, I was like, you're going to be a story for me one day. So let's, let's get started on this. Yeah. So when you think about truck driving, you think about building relationships, right? And you're traveling all over the country, building relationships. So we talked about that. And then of course, for social work, it's such a specialized thing that you do need to go back to school for it. And that's not necessarily something that I always make my clients do because most of the time they have those transferable skills. But for him, he actually needed to enroll in a program. We found an accelerated program that was local to his area that had night classes and online classes. And I said, okay, now once you get through the second semester, we're going to start looking for paid internships for you, okay? Or even part-time, you know, caseworker type roles. And we put in the work we needed to talk about, well, actually redefine his brand. And I got him comfortable with talking about why he wanted to get into social work and how being a truck driver kind of shaped his views and helped him do that. And he made that transition. He got a paid internship. And today he's a full-time social worker. So I'm super proud of him. Yeah, <laughs> you should that's be. That's a great success story. And it sounds like what you were helping him develop is that story around his career. So I it's, guess my next my question on that is how can people tell better stories about their own career journey? Because I don't think a lot of people think about it as like storytelling really. They don't. And they think that it needs to be this tight, you know, extremely surface level professional response. But the thing is hiring managers and recruiters, they're people. So they connect with people. So it's okay to talk about what your passions are. It's okay to give a story and talk about, hey, this is kind of how I grew up. You don't need to give you know, a long story <laughs> or a chapter on it, but talk about what brought you to this point in your career and what's fueling your decision to make a change because we all have a why. So really understanding your why, being comfortable talking about your why and mm -hmm. make sure that it's relatable too because we all look for ways that we can relate to each other. And once you have that down packed, your confidence, I mean, shoots higher and you can walk into the room and explain, this is why I want to, why I want to do what I want to do. And this is why I know that it's for me. I love that. And is there ever a time where you would actually advise your clients not to job hop? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even give you a long answer for that because it's no, I, I just believe that everybody deserves to be happy and fulfilled yeah. and satisfied at work. And if that involves job hopping, I want you to do it. But when you come to me, I want to make sure that you're strategic about it and you're mm -hmm. thinking about your reason why you're doing it. Because what I don't want is for you to repeat the same pattern over and over and continue to land in the same type of role and environment that you hate in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say you have a client that comes to you and they've done like six months in a job and then eight months in a job. There's, would you say that, that like, that's totally fine and they should keep doing that until they find the next job or is there any kind of value in trying to keep that like 
tenure with an organization? Yeah, so here's the thing. If you are hopping every three to six months, there's something going on internally that we actually need to talk about and address. So when people come to me, they say, oh, I stayed for three months here, six months there. And my first question is, okay, so what's going on? What didn't you like about those roles? And some people will get into roles and they just know that they don't like it. But when you ask them, what specifically did you dislike about it? They can't give you an answer. And my job as a coach is to get that answer out of you so that you can know what that answer is. So for example, if you say, well, I wasn't being paid enough. Okay, well, why do you keep applying to jobs that don't pay you enough? What's going on there? Or if you say, oh, um, I didn't like the travel. I got that recently. Someone told me I keep getting into these jobs that require all this travel. Okay, well, are you asking about travel requirements when you're going to these interviews? That's something that you need to talk about. Uh, Have you researched the field? Do you know if that's something that's common or that's required, like for sales? You know what I mean? If you're going to be a sales representative, you may have to travel and that might not be the career for you. So let's talk about what you really dislike about the role so that we can start putting together a list. So going forward, as you do your research and you go into these interviews and you ask the questions, you can ask what you need and get the information that you need to make a more informed decision. There's two things there that you've mentioned. I mean, there's many things you've mentioned of value, but two things that jump to mind as sort of um, really interesting points to build on quickly. One is the idea that a lot of people, I don't know if you've experienced this as well, Chelsea, but they have an easier time saying what they don't like about their job or about their career or about themselves even than what they do like or what they feel like is a positive. And oftentimes that's the pathway to take in terms of trying to figure out okay, well, what is the ideal situation, the ideal environment, the ideal role? That's, that's kind of one thing I've experienced. And the other one being, like you said, right, asking those questions in an interview, or if you get an offer, you have the ability to really sort of pursue a bunch of, of topics to ground and get super clear on what you're signing up for. There shouldn't really be, in my opinion, a lot of ambiguity around what you're about to commit a massive chunk of your life on. Would you agree with that? Wow. Yes, I do agree with all of that. And I just want to say a couple of things. So I love the point that you brought up when you said you need to think about the things that you like. So I actually call those your non-negotiables. What are things that you have to have in a job in order for you to thrive, in order for you to be happy? So along with the dislike list, I do make them put together a list of non-negotiables because that's so important. Because as you're doing your research, as you're doing your informational interviews, those are questions that you definitely need to ask. And to talk about interviewing and making sure that you get in there and ask those questions, I notice that so many professionals clam up when they get to the end of an interview and the interviewer says, do you have any questions for us? And I've heard clients say, well, Chelsea, I don't want to turn them off by asking these questions, or I don't want to seem pushy, or I don't want to seem, you know, like I'm just being too much and being unreasonable. But the thing is, an interview is a conversation. You're there to decide if you want to work for them. You know what I mean? Like they're not the only ones in the equation here. So I always make sure that my clients or whoever I talk to I want to make sure you're comfortable with asking those questions. Knowledge is power. Because if you ask a question and they tell you an answer that you're not comfortable with, 
immediately you can say, you know what, this isn't the right position for me. And it's better to do that instead to go in there blindly, start and be back at square one and say, oh, I hate my job again. Yeah. And I would even add to that. I think employers actually really appreciate when you do ask questions and it's probably more of a red flag to them if you don't ask questions because they, they equally don't want to have to go and rehire you in three months from now when you realize you hate it. Exactly. And it's so awkward too, because I actually used to hire people as well. And I used to say, Hey, do you have any questions for me? And some people would say, no. And it's so awkward for me because I'm like, really, you have none after we just sat here and talked for 45 minutes or an hour, you have nothing for me. You're just going to accept this without finding out if I'm going to be the right boss for you or the right company for you. So ask those questions. Yeah. There's often, right, that, that uh, sort of analogy, right, job seeking to dating. And then just imagine yourself being on a date where your counterparty is asking you questions all the time. And w- would, you, would you not be a little curious about the person that you just committed to having an hour, a drink with, a dinner with, who knows? Like, I mean, right, like you, you hit it so perfectly there's got to be some energy and some excitement that comes out of both sides in an interview. And that, and going back to job hopping, like if you don't feel that excitement going into a role, I, I think there's a pretty strong chance that you're going to end up hopping sooner than you'd like to be. Absolutely. And I love how you brought that up because I too talk about relationships being just like jobs, because like you said, could you imagine going out to dinner and someone asking you questions and then you just say, you know what, let's just date let's just date, let's just do this. I don't have any questions for you at all. <laughs> How awkward would that be? And then you'd be disappointed. <laughs> I certainly would be, there's no question. <laughs> cool. So Chelsea, is there anything else? We've had a great conversation so far. Is there anything else that you would want to add around the topic of job hopping that you think our dear listener should understand? I do. Uh, The one major thing for me that I notice from my clients and even from myself, like my biggest piece of advice is build your career for you. I know personally, when I started off my career, I was trying to build it based off of everybody else's expectations in my life and what they wanted me to do. And I kept realizing after I would get into a role, you know, to make other people happy or to impress other people, I would get there and I'm like, I'm not happy, I'm not fulfilled. And a lot of my clients come to me are actually in the same boat. They say, Chelsea, like I majored in accounting or history or whatever it is. And they're like, but that's not really what I'm passionate about. And I say, well, why did you, why did you do that? What made you do that? And the first thing people usually say is, my parents made me you know, choose this major. Or another one I get all the time is, my teacher told me that I would be good at this. And I think that not enough people are taking the time to really get to know themselves, experiment, explore, and find what it is that they want to do. Because the sooner that you're truer to yourself and you're honest with yourself with what it is you like and enjoy and what lights you up, the quicker you're able to find that fulfilling role that you're going to be happy at, that you're not going to want to you know, job hop from. Because that's the overall goal, right? You don't want to spend your whole career 
hopping, 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 and just not really ever being fulfilled. I want you to find what you love doing. So build your career for you. Don't build it for anybody else. Like hashtag be your own career goals. That's what I always say to people. So that's my biggest piece of advice that I have to offer to your listeners here today. That's awesome. Fantastic. I appreciate that. We have some questions that we like to ask of all of our guests that come on the show. I'm going to kick it back to Stacy for this. All right. All right. So the first question is, what's the most fun that you've ever had in your career? Oh, let's see here. I've done quite a few fun things, but one of my favorite positions that I've had was actually in property management because it's like when you're a property manager of different properties around the area, no day is ever the same. I mean, you could have walk-ins, you could have move-ins, you could have leaks, you know what I mean? Like it can be an emergency one day, smooth sailing the next. And I like when things change and I'm able to solve problems. So that was probably one of the more fun jobs that I had. Cool. What kind of properties did you manage? Uh, so I managed different properties around the Lansing area. It was a lot of different apartment buildings and some homes as well. Nice. That's a very oh, cool. That. Yeah. How long did you do that for? Oh, well, <laughs> I did it for a couple different companies, of course, the job hopper in me. <laughs> so I did it for close to three years. What's the biggest risk you've taken in your career and how did that turn out for you? Oh, so one of my goals was to be an executive director for a nonprofit before I turned 30. And yes, applying for those type of roles <laughs> was a huge risk because number one, I was young and I had that going against me. People were like, you're too young to do that. That's something that you have to wait until like you're 40 or 50 to do. And I remember going to that interview and just getting grilled the entire time about my age, about my experience, about why I thought I was worthy to have that position. But I went in there and I let them have it. Like I talked to them like I was 40, 50 years old. I was like, let me tell you about all my experience here. <laughs> and luckily I ended up uh, landing the job at the time the organization was kind of in shambles. So I had my work cut out for me. Uh, so that was one of the biggest risks <laughs> that I've taken. And how did you know? You know what? I ended up hopping from it. <laughs> so I fixed a lot there. Um, it was just not the right atmosphere for me. And I discovered that pretty early on, but I did commit to fixing some of the internal issues. So I had some major wins while I was there, but I was like, hey, I need to hand this off to someone who has a little bit more patience than I do. <laughs> That's great. That is incredible. Um, really inspiring, honestly. So, I mean, maybe this is an easy one then. Chelsea, what's the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Oh, let's see. I have received a lot. Um, but my parents always tell me to just go for it. You can do anything that you set your mind to. And I think that that has contributed to me having the confidence to job hop, walk into a room and sell myself because I truly believe that I can do anything, especially once I get in the room. So that has definitely served me well. You can see how that would serve you going, serve anyone really in all aspects of their life. 
Definitely. Yeah. And right, like confidence is also contagious too. So when you walk in a room and you let people know this is what I'm about and this is what I can do, that builds trust too. Just like when I was in that interview room for that executive director role. I'm like, no, th this is what I do. You can trust me. And after my interview, they told me, they were like, wow, like we had all these reservations, especially, you know, when we saw you come through the room and we saw that you were young, but you really made us comfortable and you made us excited to work with you. So that confidence and being comfortable with yourself and who you are is everything. Yeah, it, it comes through in spades. And dear listener, you're kind of catching it just through the sound waves here, but I'm sure you can detect the, the energy that you bring into all of this. Um, it's been awesome to have this chat with you. Where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing, Chelsea? Yes. So if you're on LinkedIn, make sure to connect and follow me on LinkedIn. And my name is Chelsea-J, that's J-A-Y on there. And my company is Seasoned and Growing. So you can visit seasonedandgrowing.com. Love that. I think we can call that a pretty awesome conversation for the week on the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. And I'm Stacey Pollack. And our guest, Chelsea J, seasonedandgrowing.com. It has been a great chat around the truth of job hopping. We hope you are well, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Hey, dear listener. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Career Builders podcast. If you love the show and want to help us spread our message further and reach new listeners, would you consider leaving a rating and review of TCBP on Apple Podcasts? Without a doubt, your help would be much appreciated. On behalf of Lisa and myself, thanks, and we'll catch you again next week. Bye for now.